Hi, I'm Kevin Harrington, an original shark from the hit television show Shark Tank, and you're listening to the Underdog Podcast. I've been too high up to fall, question marks, what's up with y'all? All we know is over time, barking like some underdogs. Underdogs, underdogs, underdogs. All we know is over time, barking like some underdogs. Underdogs, 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 underdogs. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the underdog podcast. I have an incredible guest here with me today. Dean, how are you, my friend? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Oh, man, it's such a pleasure to have you. Um, as we started this call, I was like, man, welcome to the familia. I feel like it's kind of like, uh, <laughs> what do they do? Like when they, when they bring people in the mob for the first time, it's like the welcoming or something. <laughs> you gotta, do you gotta jump me in or what is this? <laughs> Oh, man, it's such an honor to have you as part of the mastermind as well, family mastermind. It's honestly a gift to connect with awesome people. So I'm just so thankful to have you here today. And I can't wait to get into your story. You're brand new to me. So I'm like, ooh, I can't wait. I can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to start you off with my favorite question. One of my favorite questions. I have a lot. What inspired you on your journey to where you are today, my friend? Ooh, boy, that's a loaded question. I guess uh, to flash forward past kind of like kind of my my origin story, but I'd say what inspired me to get where I'm at today is probably what everybody's searching for, which is just like that feeling of freedom and and reaching your potential. There was a point in time, which I'm sure we'll come back to, where I basically had to start all over in life. And for me, I knew that I had to kind of find my own way. And so that's what I had to do. I had to find my own way. And, and thankfully, I found real estate which uh, we're both passionate about that created that opportunity for me. That's amazing, Dean. Thanks so much for sharing that. Oh man, I can't wait to get into all that. You dropped some gems and I'm like, oh, I can't wait. But first, before <laughs> we get into all that, what did you want to be as a kid? Like when you grew up? Yeah. Well, what I wanted to be, I actually got to experience for a short bit, which was, you know, being a kid in class, I was almost embarrassed to put it because it almost seemed like such a fairy tale. Like, is it really going to be possible? Like, I don't know. That's just what all kids dream of. But I always put, I wanted to be a professional athlete, right? And I always wanted to put, oh, I want to be in the NFL or I want to be in the NBA or whatever it is. And so kind of growing up, I went to a small little private school, you know, 20 kids in my class. And then I got to high school and, you know, some people knew me, but not many. And, you know, kind of got started in sports there. And then I excelled and did great and came the star player and, you know, did great and did all that kind of stuff, got recruited for college, but I was under recruited for college. Like I was kind of like big time under the radar. And I got to be honest, like it kind of like put a chip on my shoulder because, you know, being a, a sports fan, like you want to go to the big college, you want to, you know, get recruited and everything like that. But I was really under recruited for high school. Part of it could have been the position I was playing Maybe it could have been because the small school I went to kind of in the middle of nowhere, but I went to uh, UC Davis for football. So I got a scholarship there, went to play there and same kind of thing as high school, you know, kind of had to like make my way and kind of prove that I was, was somebody funny enough. I actually didn't get a full ride scholarship right out the gate. They gave me a half scholarship. They're like, eh, you're okay. Like, we'll, we'll give you something, you know? And I was like, oh, what the hell? (laughs) You know, like. I feel good like about my skills. Like I know I can be better. And there's like other people coming in with full ride scholarships that I'm way better than, but it was like, all right, whatever. Like I'll show you guys. So I ended up getting a full ride scholarship after my red shirt year, but you know, had to like kind of make my way in there and then make my way through college doing good and performing at a high level. And 
started getting recruited by uh, scouted by the NFL. And lo and behold, the year that they have for me to be eligible to be drafted, they have the lockout that year. So they actually had like the player association in the NFL had a lockout and everything like that. So I actually did not get drafted. I didn't get drafted. I was being recruited, almost got drafted in the later rounds, but didn't get drafted. So to play up the underdog, didn't get drafted. So then the lockout happened. There were six months of like uncertainty. Like no one knew like what was going to happen, how long the lockout was going to go. And all communication with scouts and teams was like completely radio silence. So I just kept training with some other NFL guys and stuff like that. And as soon as it lifted, got the call from the San Diego Chargers, you know, hey, you got your bags packed. And it was like at 5 p.m. at night. They're like, you got a flight at 6 a.m. in the morning. Come on, you're coming out. I was like, holy crap. So flew in that next morning. They gave me a physical, made sure my body worked and gave me a tour around the place, signed the contract right there in the general manager's office. And there I was, I was on the team. So it was pretty crazy to get to that point. Certainly the to live out the underdog, like every kind of stage to get there was kind of like, kind of looked past, you know, kind of looked, not really looked at at the top. And I definitely give credit to myself for like being disciplined to get there. I was not always the fastest. I was not always the tallest, not always the strongest, whatever it was, but I always perform because, you know, not only did I give it my all, but I always put in the work to, to be prepared, you know? So got there. And then I got lots and lots of stories about what it was like to be in the NFL, which was crazy. You got lots of those kind of Hollywood stories, red carpet event type stuff, and all the fringe benefits that come with uh, being treated like a celebrity. But at the end of the day, like it just, it was such a cool experience. And for me to kind of give you the short story on that, being in the NFL was amazing. Like is everything I wanted. I was playing great, felt great, saw like, all right, I'm here. I made it. And had North Turner, who was the head coach telling me I'm going to have a long career. Like all these things were coming together, but they changed positions on me. And so I went from playing running back in high school to playing tight end in college to now playing fullback for the chargers. And if you know about football, being a fullback, they did put me out as a receiver and use me athletically, but your full-time position is pretty much like a battering ram. Like you're just there to kill people. The other person you're going against is 10 yards away instead of being tight end. If you're going to go on a blocking play, you're blocking someone like a couple yards away, you know, but as a fullback, you're running 10 yards full speed, just trying to kill each other. And usually you're running between the big offensive lineman and the defensive lineman. So like the gap that you have to run through is so narrow. So the best way to like get through and, and make an impact on that play is to like lead with your head. And you know how that turns out, you know, it leads to concussions. And I just saw the writing on the wall. Like if I kept doing this for a living, I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> so, you know, I made the, I made the hardest decision in my life to hang up the cleats and walk away from it because I just knew like I could do it. I was playing great, feeling great, all these things. But if I kept doing this for a living, it was a death sentence and, and sure I could have like, Hey, let me go to another team and, and try to get back to playing tight end and doing all that stuff. But I just, I just had this gut feeling like, you know what? It's everything I wanted and dreamed of, but I just have this feeling like 
I'm going to wreck my body if I keep doing this. So called it quits and, and moved on. My goodness. Wow. What I love though, is that you did fulfill your childhood dream which is super cool. Like that I find absolutely amazing. And you were mentioning along the journey, (laughs) you got a half scholar. Like I haven't even ever in my life heard of a half scholarship. Like how how does that, how does that even work? Like I thought you go full or there's not, I'm like, yeah, all in or all out. Like, dude, don't put me halfway. Uh, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. They're like, yeah, we'll give you half a scholarship. I'm like, what? Like, ah, you guys. (laughs) <laughs> my goodness oh gosh so like what inspired you at a, at a young age like did you have mentors in this space that you're like I just want to be a professional athlete or you that was just like your goal and that's just all all you wanted yeah it's just my goal I, and I wouldn't even say that like I had some like highlight reel to flash back to of me doing all this training and like being bred as someone to make it to the NFL or anything but and I didn't even do like my first real training like speed and agility training before my senior year in high school. Like that was the first time I ever did training, but I don't know. It was just a childhood dream, man. Like I want to be a professional athlete and growing up where I did, there wasn't a beach nearby. There wasn't like the something really exciting to go do. It was just like flat farmland and sports and school, you know? So like for me, it was like, all right, well, this I'm doing good at this. So I'm going to, this is what I'm going to do forever. You know? So you're like the town celebrity kind of a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I was, you know, in the papers every week and all that kind of stuff. So a lot of that sticks around because it's a small town and not to mention, it kind of helps that I do TV commercials for real estate there now too. So uh, that kind of keeps it going. Oh my God. I'm talking to the local celebrity. Where, where from? So I'm from California and there's a lot of big cities there, but in central California, there's a little town called Visalia. Most people know about it that do just because it's, they call it the gateway to the Sequoias. So if you want to go to the Sequoia National Park with the big redwood trees that are big, massive redwood trees, then you drive through Visalia, but usually you're not stopping. Yeah. You're just like, oh, hey, how are you? Oh, that's- you're like, what? oh, there's a town here. Oh, let me keep going to the the cool sequoias. So awesome. So like who or what inspired you throughout your journey, especially like while growing up into that path? Because you mentioned like it's been an underdog journey kind of getting there and the whole bunch of discipline that it took to get to that point to get. Yeah drafted, if you will. And then of course, dealing with the lockout and a whole bunch of other things and seeing as how you basically built this dream yourself, right? Like, it's not like you had connections into the NFL or anything Like you literally like built a dream yourself, which I find amazing. So how, you know, who or what inspired you in that realm and what kept you going throughout the process? Cause it takes an um, extreme amount of mental discipline to get through something like that to push to those levels. Yeah, no doubt. That's a good question. I don't know if I really thought too hard about that before, but the thing is, is like, you're right. I know a lot of people that do end up getting there, like in San Diego, especially, which is where I moved back to. I live in San Diego now in La Jolla and there's endless amount of resources. Like if you want to, if you want to be a professional athlete, a lot of times you're starting in some club sport or traveling team or something like that. There's so many trainers and everything that's all around. So not having any of that growing up, you know, I think it was just like the desire, like that was the dream that I wanted to work through. And I think a lot of probably my dad's personality and just, you know, seeing my dad and mom being entrepreneurs and putting in the work all the time. That's just kind of all I knew is just continuing to show up and put in the work, like whether, whether you're sick or not, like, Hey, we're here to, to get this done, you know? 
So I think part of it was environment and part of it was just personality. It's the same thing for me now too. Like whether I'm sick or something or not, like I'm still getting up, I'm still working, I'm still getting stuff done. And that's what it takes. Like it, it takes discipline to, to get the results. I heard someone say this just the other day as I was scrolling through social media, like it's not motivation that really gets you to get there. Because if you just relied on motivation, there's going to be a lot of days you're not that motivated. And it's going to take the discipline to push you through and put in the work day in or day out. Whether you feel like crap, whether you're just not into it, whatever it is, like you got to show up and put in the work. So that was me. I'm just Mr. Consistent, you know, and, and that's always kind of been the case. So how do you maintain say, being Mr. Consistent? Because that's like huge because you're like some days you're not motivated. And that's so true, right? So like, how do you create a habit and just like stay consistent with it? Like, what do you put in your mental frame to be like, you are doing this? This is a non-negotiable. Like, I always love hearing that. I think what it is, is I've created this big, massive, this idea of what I want my life to look like and the potential that I have as a person. Not only like what's around me, what I'm doing, you know, the people I love and the things that I'm able to do, but just like the impact I'm able to make too. And so I've always had this huge chip on my shoulder of like trying to become the person that I believe I can be and, and reaching for that. And and naturally, like once you hit a certain goal, you create a new one that's bigger. And so from the outside looking in, a lot of people might say like, oh, you've got, you know, this and that, you've got this amazing life and and things have been so easy. But if you look under the covers, like, holy crap, the amount of stuff I've had to overcome. Now, granted, I, I won't say that other people haven't had it harder. You know, I grew up with two parents. I had all the essentials that I needed, stuff like that, which is I know for a lot of people, a big step ahead. But, you know, I had to coming from the NFL, I had to start all over because I was there a short period of time and didn't have the long career that was seemingly in front of me. And I decided to walk away. I didn't have the millions of dollars that I was there to get, you know, and that I was dreaming of having. And part of that, like fulfilling that kind of destiny for myself, a part of that was like what everybody dreams of when they become celebrity or or a professional athlete, like being able to provide for your family and okay, you get a house, you get a house, like, you know, everybody's taken care of, but I had to start all over. So I like the chip got bigger for me and it was like, okay, if, if I want to get there and still fulfill like what I dreamt of, cause I would even tell my parents like, Hey, you know, when I make it, like, even though they already have a house, like we're, we're going to level up. We're going to go to the next level type of thing. And so for me, it's always been like that mission to get there. And, you know, as an entrepreneur, I don't know what hurdles you've had to overcome, but boy, have I been, you know, kicked in the teeth many a times and lost lots of money on all bad. Now, granted, it, all, it always comes back to me as the responsible party to, to make the decision to move forward. But it's been a result of like some bad apple that I came across, you know, some wolf in sheep's clothing that rip me off real bad, uh, whether it's a contractor or something like that. So been kicked in the teeth and then had to, you know, stare myself in the mirror and be like, all right, dude, that really hurt. And I, this wound is going to keep hurting and it's gonna, it's not going to heal overnight, but you got to keep putting in the work and you got to dig yourself out of this. You know, I've had a handful of those moments and blessed to be on this side of the fence where, you know, you could say I've made it, but I still have those large goals that I'm still chasing after and stretching for, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I think one of the most admirable things that I've 
that I've heard from you, you've done, I mean, your mental discipline is A1. Like, I mean, it's just absolutely incredible. But making the decision to be in a place where you've always wanted to be and be able to pull back from it, right? A lot of the time, we think we know what we want. We get there. And then we're like, crap, this is not what I want. This is not like how I envisioned it up here, right? But to have the strength to let it go is a really big deal. A lot of people hold on for a long time. So I think what you did for yourself was huge. Now, can you walk me through that process and give some advice and shed some light on entrepreneurs or any, you know, anyone who's listening right now that knows they have that one thing in their life that could potentially be all that they ever wanted, but how do you recognize to let it go and how do you actually do it? It sounds very elementary, but it's super complicated. Yeah. <laughs> It's extremely complicated. Ah. I don't I don't even know how I, I can unpack like my thoughts and how I went through it because I made the decision so fast. But for me, like like you said, it was everything that I wanted. Just imagine like you're growing up dreaming of playing, being a professional athlete, right? Everybody understands what professional athletes are today. You know, 40 years ago, they didn't get paid what they got paid. They weren't as much of a celebrity, you know. But now it's like they get big time checks, they get all these endorsements, and everybody treats them like celebrities. So to be in that world and be there, like, and share a locker room, like, I'm four lockers away from Philip Rivers and Antonio Gates, guys I played on video games with. Like, these were superheroes to me that I played, you know, with on video games. And now I'm sitting right next to them and I'm, I'm their peer, you know, I'm about to be on a video game. You know what I mean? So like that was everything I ever dreamed and wanted. And obviously seeing what it was like to be on the other side, what was kind of surreal about it was once you're there, it was kind of like, oh, like this isn't too crazy. Like the media makes it huge and big. Like, oh, you know, we got these interviews and oh, look at these highlights. But like when you're there, you're just, you're just playing the game that you already know how to play and that you already love to play. And like, as long as you do your job, like everybody's cheering for you and you're, everybody's happy, you know, (laughs) like it was like, Oh, this is easier than I thought, you know, but getting here was really, really hard. So once I was there, saw the opportunity, saw the potential was getting the results, getting the feedback from the head coach, like, Hey, you're going to have a long career. Like, all right, man, this is cool. But it was just that one thing that I knew if I kept doing this, I'm going to die early. Like, I don't know what to relate it to, but it was just that thing. Like I had all this power. I had all, all these dreams coming together, but if I kept doing it, I'm going to keep hitting my head and it's going to, it's going to kill me. Like I would go after practices and ice my head. Like that's the first time I've ever done that in my life. You know, I've never had to do that before, but because I'm now at this different position that basically is like two bulls running head to head against each other 10 yards away. And that's what you do for a living. I just knew that like, all right, this, this is going to be, this isn't going to turn out good. So it was just that gut feeling that even though I could go down this journey and it could turn out well on paper, it wasn't going to turn out well for me health wise. And that's kind of how I went through that. So yeah, I mean, I still have turmoil over today, you know, but I knew, I knew it was the right decision at the end of the day. If I wanted to live that long life, if I wanted to be able to play with my kids and run around and chase them and and play sports with them and do all that kind of stuff, which I still do to this day, you know, I go play pick up ball, pick up basketball and and do all that kind of stuff to stay active. But it was a really hard decision. 
Yeah, no, thank you so much for sharing that. That's what, because I mean, you had mentioned earlier, like being in the NFL is very, it's a dream, right? And then it's just like living. It also feels like a dream because you're celebrity status at that point. So it was just, it's amazing to hear your journey throughout all that, because at the end of the day, I mean, my grandmother says this all the time, your health is your wealth, right? No amount of money could ever, could ever Steve Jobs. I mean, continue the list goes on and on and on and on you could have all the money in the world but at the end of the day when you're talking about your life that's a whole nother like what's the point then you know what's the point exactly and for me like that's where kind of my focus has gone is not only living a great life now but i want to live as long as i can and be as healthy as i can i don't drink i don't uh do drugs you know i uh I wouldn't say I sleep a lot because I'm always working too much, but, uh, <laughs> and my, and my kids are keeping me up, but I try to eat really healthy, a really good diet, really good quality food because I want to live a really healthy life. So that just kind of plays into the whole reason kind of why I walked away from that, even though it was, it was so hard to, you know, for sure, for sure. And I mean, what was the next step after that? Like, what, what was your journey like after that fact? Cause I know you jumped into real estate, I think right after. Yeah. So not actually right, right after. So I had a good college buddy of mine who kind of been riding along the journey with me and and staying up to date with me. And as soon as I stopped playing, he reached out. He's like, Hey, I got a really good opportunity for you. Uh, and this was just like months after he's like, I got a really good opportunity for you to work for this corporate job I'm working at right now in San Francisco. And I think it'd be a really great opportunity for you. So he told me all about it. And it sounded like exactly what I wanted when I grew up and had a real job when I was done playing sports. Like if, if sports didn't work out or once I was done with the career that, that I, you know, dreamt of having, this is kind of the path that I was going to go. And so he basically walked me in the door to this big corporation before they went public and pretty much, you know, fast passed me to, to getting a job. So that was like an amazing opportunity in itself. So I started working there, did what I knew best, which was, was, was to work hard. And I wasn't in a sales job, which I'll get to that in a second. I was in, you know, kind of like a consulting job, but God, I thought it was so easy. Like, all you got to do is like show up and sit in this desk. Like you're not throwing your body around and working out like for eight hours a day. And you know, running sprints and, you know, trying to take uh, 250 pound uh, linebackers and block them and take them to the ground and do all that kind of stuff. Like it was the easiest job ever. I just got to sit in front of this desk and, you know, hit these keys on the keyboard, kind of how easy it was from an effort standpoint. I worked my butt off for a year and I'm thinking to myself, okay, so I went from, you know, a seven figure NFL contract to now a $65,000 salary okay, obviously I put in the work. They see what I, my potential is. I'm ready to get this big payday and at least move into the six figures, right? But they're like, hey, you worked your butt off. We love what you're doing. You know, We'll give you a $2,000 increase. And I was like, holy crap, <laughs> this is not gonna work out. <laughs> I'm living in San Francisco. It's super expensive. I'm living in a tiny 424 square foot studio with my my wife and two dogs and um like i gotta figure this out on my own apparently because this is not the fast track to you know that lifestyle that that i want so i I went on google and typed how to get started in real estate just because i was thinking like i had this heart 
heart to heart moment. Like, what are the things that I'm passionate about? And I kind of reflected back to the old Dean Graciosi late night infomercials. And more than one occasion, I would find myself at two in the morning watching these things, like on the edge of my seat, wanting to buy it as a teenager. And those kind of memories flash back to me like, you know what? I, I like real estate. Let me see how to get started in real estate. The OG man I still love who's in the family, uh, Sean Terry, had his Flip to Freedom podcast. And it was how to get started with little to no money. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. So I just listened to that. And since the second I listened to it, I was obsessed. Did my first deal three months after that, actually co-wholesaling a house with Sean Terry and was just you know hooked after that. So that's kind of my journey into real estate is started in the corporate world, what I thought was going to be you know, the perfect job, perfect opportunity. And then it's like, okay, this is not going to get me anywhere fast. I got to figure this out. You know, I'm telling you real estate is such a funny thing because it's like, it attracts like the most hyper obsessed people, most passionate people on planet earth. And I always yeah. say there is no industry that can touch us. Sorry. Anybody who's listening that is not in the real estate space. It's just like, there's just such passion and such joy and such love and just like so many entrepreneurs that are so, so creative and talented. And it's like, wow, you know, and I just love that you started off in the best way, just like how I started, how to get started in <laughs> real estate on Google and it, take it from there, <laughs> right? So that's super cool. So how did you get past the analysis paralysis of doing your first deal? Because we all know how everyone gets like stuck in that rut for whatever reason, right? Like analyzes, yeah. it, analyzes it to the point that they never get there, you know? So how'd you get past the first lock? That's so true. I, I don't know what it was about me during that that stage in life. Because, And I'd say I probably haven't had too much analysis paralysis. Now, granted, I might have, I might be guilty of having 30 tabs open on my Google Chrome right now of things that I know I need to do. Like, ah, oh, I need to finish doing this document or, oh, I need to finish this, you know, new campaign that I'm starting or whatever. Right. But at the time, like I was so determined to get out of that situation and it wasn't a bad situation. It was a great opportunity. It really was, but I knew it wasn't going to get me anywhere close to where I wanted. So I think I was so, I had the, you know, the, the fortunate opportunity to where didn't have a lot of other distractions. And so I just went all in. And And here's the thing that I think a lot of people that hold people back is just the, the belief that they don't have enough time. I mean, I had a full-time job. I commuted three hours a day, hour and a half in the morning, an hour and a half back in the afternoon. My wife would have work till you know eight in San Francisco. So I, I'd meet her on the BART train station you know, and, and meet her there and jump on together, get back home and wake up and at six o'clock and do it all over again. And for me, every second I had on the commute to work at lunch, after work, I'd wake up sometimes in the middle of the night because I, I was so determined to like learn just how to fill out a contract. And granted, I didn't have a YouTube video for it. It was just words from a podcast. So I had to like, listen so carefully word to word and almost like write it out on a piece of paper to try to like really grasp it. And this was, I was just obsessing over how to fill out the contract with the seller, right. To get the house under contract, but little things like that, I was so determined to figure it out. 
And I just took the action and believed in it that it would work and didn't let fear hold me back and was able to get results. And once I proved it to myself that first time, I was like, holy crap. Like I split a $12,000 check with Sean Terry. I made six. Wasn't going to change my life, but it, but it did from a mental mindset standpoint of like, holy crap, like this is real. The 6,000 just hit my bank. I can do this again and I can, I can make those $6,000 paychecks bigger, you know? That's so amazing. Oh God. And the, the thing about that is once you get a little bit of a taste of real estate, that's the other thing. My first flip I made almost, I think it was like almost a hundred K. So like, well, that's, a, that, that's a sweet first one. <laughs> I was like, after that, you're like, there is no way ever that I am doing anything else in this lifetime. Right? Sorry. <laughs> so how did it go after that first deal for you? Did you just start multiplying and cranking out? Like what, what happened with that? Yeah. So my, after my first deal, I only did about eight my first year. Okay. And that was me just having to figure stuff out, right? Like figuring out how to do marketing and direct to seller and, you know, getting that going and, and getting a budget for marketing and doing all that kind of stuff. And so I got those deals going. Then after, towards the end of the first year, I was wholesaling some of those properties to my now business partner. He's like, hey, you're really good at finding deals. You want to do flips together? I was like, well, I don't have a bunch of capital to, you know, buy a house for cash. He's like, dude, don't worry about it. Like, we use other people's money for that and we put the deal together. Just bring the deal. I'll get the logistics. I was like, all right, cool. Let's let's do this. So so we started doing flips together. But funny enough, instead of doing it in Visalia and surrounding area where I grew up, uh, which is where he's from, he's like, hey, you know what? It's kind of slowing down here in this market. Do you want to go to Phoenix where you did some of your first deals with Sean Terry? You know the market there, right? I was like, yeah, that sounds good. We start working some of the relationships that I have and we quickly get six deals on our contract within the first month and we start flipping them. Well, I did all the rookie mistakes, even though he was experienced, right? He kind of let me take the reins. I did all the rookie mistakes of like rushing into getting a contractor who wasn't the right one not looking at the comps well enough, believing the realtor and lost a hundred thousand dollars on my first couple flips. So out of those six, some of them sold for a profit, but we ended up losing a hundred thousand dollars. So for me, like just getting started with not a lot of capital, like I dug myself a hole right out the gate. So like that next year, it was like, all right, well, time to dig myself out. So started working my ass off get more deals, closing those, you know, and paying that back. And my partner, he told me after the fact, he's like, I don't know. I didn't know what was going to happen. I don't know if you were going to like tuck your tail and run, you know, and just give up. But like you proved your, you proved that like, Hey, no matter how hard it gets, you're willing to work your way out. So after that next year and a half, we like formed a, an actual partnership on paper and we scaled it to doing 20, then 30, then 50, then a hundred deals, right? A year. And we're just cranking flips out. Now I will say I had another boo-boo story where a couple of years down the road, a guy who was actually in another family, right? Another family, a group of individuals was actually a wolf in sheep's clothing. Kind of like I said at the beginning, and he seemed like a good guy. He, he was kind of a little on the edge, you know, kind of gray area stuff he would say and stuff, but it was like, all right, he's, He's still in the family. Like he's he's cool. He's still doing good stuff, doing projects and working with other people. So it's it's probably good. And to spare you all the details, 
he had me buy in onto this, this uh, development deal, ground up development deal. And day one, after getting in all the, the, the bad stuff started coming out, like the loan he had actually taken out on the project, he'd already drawn money from it and, and hadn't paid all these people. And there were all these bills stacked up for, and you know, architects and civil engineers. And he basically bailed on the whole thing. Ended up being a hundred and eighty-seven thousand dollar nightmare loss. That was another year of of pain. But it was like, hey, you know what? This this is what I signed up for. I signed up for you know doing stuff on my own and and finding my own way. And and this is life. Like there's there's some some bad people out there, and and you got to try to avoid them. But some stuff happens, and you could call it bad luck or bad decisions, whatever you want to call it. But it was another thing to kind of like work through, get past and just prove to myself like, Hey, no matter what the obstacle is, I can overcome it and, and push past it. You know? Oh my goodness. I th- I thought I was the underdog in real estate. I think <laughs> I have to pass the torch to you, my friend. Holy crap. Oh man. But this is the game, right? A lot of people this is the game. realize is like, yes, you can make millions. You also could lose millions too. Yeah. Well, so- just when I thought yeah. like, Oh, I've, I've had a bad streak. Like, Oh, it's only me. I'll share my story like I did now. And yeah. someone else in the room will be like, oh, that's it. Like, yeah, I had a deal. I just lost a million dollars on, you know? Oh. And so, hey, it can happen, you know, when you're when you're trying to play big and push hard and take things to the next level, you can get uh, kicked in the shins pretty hard sometimes. And can it be avoided? Sure. But at the same time, some stuff can't be avoided. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. And what, what were some of your biggest lessons from, from that? Because it seemed like you went from like one deal to six to then like 125 and like, woof, all these (laughs) massive deals. So what were some of your biggest lessons throughout that process? Yeah. So I'd say some of the biggest lessons uh, from the mistakes were, it can literally be as simple in, in both of those biggest mistakes, the first flips, where it was the bad contractor who charged way too much, ran off with money. All the work he did was so bad that we had to do 100% of it all over again, all that kind of stuff, you know? All it took was one more phone call, one more phone call. And by that, I mean like, let me check this guy out. Let me be for sure. I met him in person, you know, seemed like he was a pretty good guy. Seems like he kind of fit the profile, but let me talk to some references right? Let me just make those, that extra phone call with the other guy, right? Who's Who ripped me off and screwed me over. Let me just call the lender, right? He said the loan was all in place. He already called them and told them I was going to come in on the deal. Everybody's cool. We actually all knew each other, right? All it took was one more phone call. Hey, is are you guys cool with this? What do you mean cool with this? We, this is the first time I heard of you and or heard from you. And by the way, he's taken money out and he hasn't paid anything. Like, no, this isn't good. Oh, well, that's a red flag. Maybe I shouldn't do this deal. Like that could have saved me a lot of money by just making one more phone call. So if you're ever on the edge of making a big decision that you don't know that every box has been checked, you just got to make one more phone call and make sure that you have the answer you're looking for. Because the chances are the person on the other side of that phone is going to tell you right away, like, yo, this isn't going to work out. This isn't going to check out, you know, so important. Everything you're saying right now, I'm like, Oh, all my mistakes. Same thing could have been involved with one more phone call. Just didn't do the 
damn diligence on I it. No, it's the due diligence. Uh, and the sick part is that the last person who ripped me off for that, that big amount, he would always say, trust, but verify. He himself would always say, uh, we'd be talking about a project and we were looking at potential ones to do together. And he'd be like, yeah, yeah, this is good, but trust, but verify. Like he would always encourage me to verify. Like you can trust the person, but make sure you verify and do that extra due diligence. But he was, <laughs> he was the snake who was, was saying that, but I didn't follow through. Cause I was like, you know what? I trust that this is going to work out probably, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I'd say the biggest lessons I learned from the success was sometimes you just get like caught up in the day-to-day busy stuff, you know? And you're just, you're just busy kind of putting out fires or making the phone calls to get deals done. And sometimes you just got to take a step back and look like, you know what, for me to get to this next level, it actually isn't that much harder. I just got to tweak a couple more things. And, and a lot of times it's like, you know what, I just need a little bit more marketing. I've got the resources to do it. I just need to do more marketing or better marketing. Like that's all it really is. And I'm kind of in that position right now where it's like, we're doing 10 to 15 deals a month right now. It's like, well, there's actually an opportunity for us to be doing like 15 to 20 deals a month. If we just do a little bit more marketing in these other areas, we've got the manpower for it, but we just need to get our marketing maybe a little bit, you know, pumped up. So yeah, it's always kind of been on the success side, the bigot, when we went from doing like a couple dozen to, to pumping it up to a hundred, the biggest thing was just like doubling and tripling down on marketing at that point, you know? So I think that was the biggest thing for us. For sure. Oh, and here comes my favorite question, which is what would your older <clears throat> self tell your younger self based on what you know now? I know you dropped some gems just now, but this could be personal business, whatever, whatever flows to you. Man, if I could like walk into my studio here and like stand next to myself and when I'm there, like getting started, it, it would certainly be like, you can go faster. You think you might be doing a lot right now, but you're just doing a lot of busy work. You got to get more stuff done faster. And I think that's kind of what holds back a lot of younger people is they're, they're keeping themselves busy, but they're not really getting a lot of stuff that's going to move you forward done. So for me, it was like around marketing. It was around relationships. The relationships are huge. So think about this. I've been a virtual investor my whole entire life. You know, when I moved to San Francisco, I didn't invest in San Francisco. I was investing in Phoenix. And then once I had some budget for marketing, I started investing in Visalia where I grew up. So I've been in San Francisco and then I moved to San Diego and still my business is in central California. So for me, the relationships, I kind of kept, kept my head down and was like, Hey, I'm, I'm working on my goals, my mission. I'm getting deals done, but I kind of ignored the relationships in my community. And just the past three years, I've done that and like, whoa, our business has blown up even more. The quality of relationships, the quality of new opportunities, just everything has gotten better as a result of it. So day one, I would have spent way, way more time networking and building those quality relationships within the community I was investing rather than being like, Hey, it's me against the world. I'm keeping my head down, staying in my lane. I'm going to show them, you know, what I got. I got this chip on my shoulder. It was like, no, let's, let's go be abundant and meet more people. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. Oh my goodness. I just love your trajectory throughout like all life stuff. It's so beautiful and awesome. My goodness, Dean. Wow. I'm inspired by you, man. Seriously. (laughs) 
Seriously. So now what's up in your world in the next like three to six months? Well, what's happening? Yeah. What's happening? Well, just recently I launched a coaching program because I'm so passionate about real estate and I got good friends that have like, you got to do it. You got to do it. And you know, people have been asking about it. So I launched that. So I, that's been a passion project and I've got 15 or 16 people that are in the coaching program and, and I've just launched it. So, and more people are going to be joining soon. So I'm passionate about that. And, and what I'm most excited about is meeting people like you. That's really like my mission over the next three to six months is, you know, I joined the mastermind and the quality of people that are in there that are just thinking at a high level that are thinking abundantly, that are, that are go-givers is just like almost overwhelming and gives me, you know, chills while I'm thinking about it now, because that's, that is why I went from, you know, kind of doing my own thing in my own community to starting to do content on social media you know, other good friends pushing me to do it. And then doing the coaching program is because I kind of wanted to be a peer with you and the other people in the community that I was trying to attract because man, there's just so many good people in there and so many good opportunities to like enrich your life with the quality people and new opportunities, new relationships. And uh, that's what I'm most excited about right now. That's so amazing, man. Well, like I said, when we started, like, welcome to the familia. I mean, it's amazing when you connect with like-minded people who really just inspire you and like the coolest thing in the world. Like I said, real estate just attract special type of energy and type of person. And it's just incredible. Like everyone's here to elevate, right? When you surround yourself yeah. with the right people, then you just go further faster, right? Much like you in the beginning, I was like, I was like, oh, I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to hustle, do it all myself. And then like, you find that when you collaborate with the right people and you have yeah. the abundance mindset, you just like skyrocket on a whole nother level. So no that's question. one piece of advice that I give people. I'm like, please just surround yourself with those who think like you that have the same goals because you will go to the moon and beyond if you if you do yeah. that that's amazing man you are super cool and super awesome i just love all the things that you're up to my friend my gosh like you've got to drop like everything to let everyone know where to find you and your awesomeness your coaching program all the things dean let us know yeah so you guys can go to deanrogers.com got all the information on there about the coaching program what i'm doing you can find me on instagram at dean rogers real estate so you can find me there you go to youtube board slash dean rogers on there as well see uh I talk about the deals we're doing, have interviews with people like you and, and all that kind of fun stuff. So oh, amazing Dean. Oh my goodness. It was such an honor to have you here today, my friend. Thank you so much for sharing your story and just all your gems and all your wisdom. Thank you so, so much. So that's it for today's episode of underdog catch us next week, always dropping on Thursdays. And remember, if you're interested in real estate, or want to learn how to create more money and magic in your life, check out meetwithpamela.com and let's chat. Sending you so, so much love. All we know is over time, working like some underdogs. Underdogs. Underdogs.